Peace. This is Yasir back again, uh, checking in with another uh, podcast for you. My um, my queen, my wife, she has been inspired uh, watching some YouTube videos uh, from what's the name of the group? K and K Squad. K Shout K out to K and K Squad. So K and K Squad. So um, we so we're recording this episode at. At my uh, my wife's urging, because uh, she feels like it's some um, some important, and I I agree with her that there, there, there's some important uh, themes I guess or ideas yes. you know that 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 yes. need to be uh, discussed and processed amongst the Black American community. Um, so. I'm gonna go ahead and um, you know, let 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 her go on, and uh, you know, kick us off here. Okay, so wait, Miss Sweetheart, I'm listening to K and K Squad on YouTube, and this is a couple, a family who packed up their whole family. I think they have four children and a husband and a wife, and they moved to Ghana. Because they had seen YouTube videos and they had done a whole bunch of research on Ghana's year of return to get black Americans. And I'm specifically saying black Americans. When I say black American, I mean people from the United States, not necessarily our cousins in Jamaica or South, America. South America or the um, Caribbean islands, not even Brazil. I'm talking about people from black people from the United States. So Ghana had this whole year of return urging black America to come to Ghana. And so this beautiful family packed up their stuff. They owned all these businesses. They had a house in, in Atlanta and they packed up and they moved to Ghana. And I want to preface this by saying, like I was telling my husband prior to us recording, because, and I think this has a lot to do with the nation of Islam and nation of gods and earth's influence. I think that has a lot to do with this. My mindset has always been, it's not just about black folks in America. Mm -hmm. We have black people all over the planet, brown people all over the planet mm -hmm. that we are connected to. And I hate to sound like uh, cliche, but some of my best friends or some of my best associates are people who are not from here. I have associates from Iran, from Mexico, from South Africa. I have Venezuela. associates Venezuela, still in Venezuela that still live in Venezuela because I used to live in Venezuela and I love them dearly and they look like us. But I did not get so pro- black america until recent years and my husband was a big influence he didn't even realize that he was a big influence on me being more pro black america because we are the shit here in the united states and we have accomplished so many things that we need to respect so saying all that i'm looking at the this couple and this family they went to ghana and they are exposing a lot of things on YouTube, basically that this whole year of return was a big scam. And last night I'm sitting here in the bed thinking about how we as black America, 
And I'm talking about, and I am not a Pan-Africanist. Even when I was like, yes, black and brown people are all over the world. I have never, ever, ever been a Pan-Africanist. I think Pan-Africanism is not good for the health of black America. And we're going to get into that. Why We're going to get into the reasons why. But they, what was I, I was saying something. Oh, I was in the bed thinking, man. K&K Squad opened a whole wave of emotions for me and a whole wave of truth. Family, we have spent, we spent, last year, we spent 1.9 billion, billion. In one year. In one year in Ghana. And Ghana, what the hell did they do with the money? So there's so many layers to that. And all you Pan-Africanists might be mad at me. And I don't care. I do not care. Because listen, $1.9 billion. And do you know how much $1.9, how much land $1.9 billion could have gotten us in Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, our homeland. Like my husband says, the South is our homeland. My people from Mississippi. Your people from, my husband's people from Alabama. Alabama, Arkansas, um, Georgia. I've also heard Texas. See, and we still have those connections. You know, my, we still go down to Mississippi. My family still owns land in Mississippi. We still visit Mississippi. We still have those connections in Mississippi. But imagine if people utilize $1.9 billion here in the United States to purchase land, to build businesses, to go back south, to grow our own food. The things that my family does here in Gary, Indiana. I don't even know if you've gone into the details of how we live here in Gary. I'm not. Okay, so my husband's idea was to move to Gary. Um, it's a long story short. We moved to Gary, save money, do for self, build for self. Cheap property. Cheap property. We homeschool. We grow our own food. Um, we're actually now we're growing year round. We got this house, a uh, uh, old house, a uh, 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 historic house that we're fixing up. We are doing it mostly like piece by piece at by hand, but we're doing the damn thing. We're doing the damn thing. It's November. We still eat out of the garden every single day. We got a greenhouse. We growing citrus. We growing a lot of stuff. We got mushrooms. We have medicine. We are about the business of doing for self. Mm. Doing for self. So when we get on here, or when my husband gets on here, this, this ain't just talk. This ain't you no know, just ideal idea ideology that we need to be, we need to be, we need to be. No, we're doing it as a family. And so just imagine, and we, we got land in Mississippi that we're going to be cultivating. Acres and acres and acres of land that we're going to be cultivating. But just imagine if one, if we use that 1.9 billion here in the United States instead of throwing it to Ghana. Now y'all might have a connection. I ain't got no connection. I don't feel any connection to Ghana. My mother did this, this, this ancestry thing. She came back 95% Nigeria. I have no physical, mental, emotion, no connection to to Nigeria, but my I got a lot of connections in Mississippi. 
Oh, I have a lot of connections in Mississippi. I, everyone I go to Mississippi, I just feel the ancestors through me in Mississippi. And it's just, it just pisses me off. The, and it, it just shows that we in black, as black America, we don't even respect our culture here. We let people tell us we don't even have culture. Our cousins, I even heard our cousins in, in Haiti, not our... <laughs> not necessarily our blood cousins. We may be blood cousins, but we don't know that. But I've actually heard people in Haiti, people from Haiti, say that black America doesn't have culture. What? We influence the entire world. Um, this, this country would not have culture without black America. Everything that happens in, every cultural thing that happens in the United States has to get validated by us. If we don't validate it, we don't put our stamp of approval, it ain't going. We are United States culture. And through my research in hoodoo, hoodoo practices in the South, hoodoo practices that have that have resisted the test of time. And when I talk about hoodoo, I mean traditional um, spiritual quote-unquote practices that are indigenous to us as black Americans, like voodoo is indigenous to Benin, or voodoo is indigenous to Haiti, and voodoo is also indigenous to our brothers and sisters in New Orleans. But I'm talking about hoodoo. This is, this is indigenous to us as black America. So we, and we did not lose our language. And I might be rambling at this point. Our, our, our spiritual practices, our cultural foods, we are culture. How dare us look at other places and say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forfeit my ancestral blood that was, that was spilled on this land. And I'm going to go beyond them and I'm going to go to Ghana or I'm going to go to Nigeria and I'm going to help build that up and I'm going to ignore our people here in this country. Now, I'm not saying you you shouldn't go build up Ghana. You shouldn't go build up Nigeria. If you had the money, that's, you do that. But to totally ignore our people here in the southern states or ignore our land in the southern states to invest $1.9 billion in a country full of people who sold your ass. Mm. Who sold your ass. Now, Pan-Africans, they don't want to admit that shit. They don't want to admit that black people in Ghana, in the so-called Ivory Coast, in Mali, sold your ass. They don't want to admit that shit. But we want to connect to some kind of mythological place that we call Africa. Because guess what? We were taken out of Africa during a certain period of time that it, it don't even exist anymore. And so what has happened? We, our ancestors were taken out of Africa during a period of time that does not exist physically anymore, but it exists in us still. So because it exists in us, 
follow me, follow me, y'all, because it exists in us, because we still have this imagery of Africa and the way it was, because stories have still been passed down on what Africa used to be. We are stuck in a time. We are stuck in a time. We're walking around and our hair wraps, all beautiful. I wear hair wraps too. We're walking around in our long dresses, all beautiful. I wear that too. But we attributing that to Africa. And Africa ain't what it was today. It's not what it was in yesteryear. And I'm rambling at this point. I want you to talk. Man. So you said a lot. Um said a lot and I think that in that there's a lot of different things to unpack I mean so you know you you mentioned how you know I was influential in you know you becoming more pro-black American right so that was something that I started to come to in some of my latter years again not to um, create division, or you know, and you know, and, and for those you know that's dealing with one twenty and all that, you know that you know the separation is how the devil was made. So, not striving to create division um, amongst original people, just wanting to highlight because this is this is one of my issues, right? You know, we we've had this conversation before many times. One of my issues is that black Americans as a collective, we always are reaching out, right? We're always reaching out to the Latino, the so-called Latino community, okay? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to say so-called Latino community because, well, I don't know. I, I guess I, I guess me so-called Spanish community. That's more what I mean. The so-called Spanish community. But then Spanish is going under Latino, right? So same no, shit. No, Spanish is Spain. Right. So the so-called Spanish community, right? You know, so, you know, because they really not Spanish. You know what I mean? Spanish people, you're oppressors. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you're you indigenous to these lands and so forth. So, so you know, but, but we're always reaching out to the, to the, you know, Latino community. We're always reaching out to different groups of original people. We're always the ones reaching out, right? We always um, seem to want to step up and add on to the people's struggle, right? You know what I mean? The people's struggle. Even the uh, pro-black movements of the uh, 60s, and the 70s with the Black Panther Party, it started to become a, a power to all the people, right? You know what I mean? They, they, they started trying to go away from black power, right? And it wanted to be power to all the people, right? Strive to include uh, white allies, quote unquote, and all these different things, right? So we're always trying to reach out, you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're always striving to build the bridge for different groups of people to come together for a common cause. But other people don't do that for us though. See, that's my problem is that when we're going through things on a daily basis or a year, you know, when we're always going through things, you don't hear 
the Asian community speaking up on our behalf. Sometimes you will hear certain individuals from the Latino community speak on our behalf. Sometimes. But that's not often. Okay? That's not often. Um, you don't hear, you know, these different groups really coming to our aid the way that we... And when I speak... And when I say these... I'm talking about other original people. Right? These other original people don't come to our aid the way that we strive to include them. Um, and I have a problem with that. So my thing is that, yes, I know and understand that we are all original people and we all have a common um, enemy um, that the energy should be directed towards. But at the same time, I'm also like, you know, the father of the nation, God's nurse, right? He said, I love those who love me. <laughs> right? I love those who love me. So, you know, I'm going to be down for you. You down for me. Okay? I'm not going to be the one always extending my hand and it's not being reciprocated. So, as black, so black Americans as a group, I feel like we need to take that same approach. Look out for number one first. Let's get us to a certain place where we need to be, then we can work about reaching to others. If for you, for, for there are certain individuals or different small enclaves or groups that want to add on, great. But I'm not for that whole thing of reaching out and it not being reciprocated from other original people. So that's the one thing. And then, and this goes the same thing for Africans, right? You know what I'm saying? This is the same thing for Africans. Now, one of the things that you were just speaking on that I think is important is that black Americans have a, um, we have self-esteem issues, right? We have self-esteem issues and there is a, you have your typical, um, you know, regular you know what I'm saying? You know, black American that might be, you know, Christian. They're not, they not so much into pro-black thought or ideas and all that type of stuff. They're not caught up in all that. They just kind of regular, you know, black American. Many times, they're, many times they're looking for or we're looking for acceptance amongst white people. Then... You have the group of conscious black folk, quote unquote, who are constantly looking for acceptance amongst Africans. Mm. Right? So here we are, our own group of people, a nation, really. A nation. A nation, a nation really. that can afford to trick off 1.9 billion. Okay. Uh, a trick small... off. Trick off. This ain't no investment. This is tricking off money. Exactly. This is throwing money at the club. This money is strip club. Yeah, God, a strip club. You're a strip club. <laughs> a nation, right? Uh, that is always looking outside of itself for validation. When we can turn that same energy towards ourselves and validate who we are because we as black Americans in the United States have a very rich, deep, 
and beautiful history here, even amongst all the pain and violence. Even amongst. Even amongst all the pain and violence, our history here is rich. And I, like many, you know, black people in America, um, coming to a knowledge of self, right? You start getting all these books. You start getting introduced to all these different ideas that you never learned in school. And you start reaching for Africa, right? You start reaching, we start reaching for Africa and our history in Africa and Egypt. You know what I'm saying? And Egypt is the thing. And all this shit that we don't, we don't have a connection to. Really? I mean, like, yes, at some point we did, and it's still, and let me change that. We still have a connection to it as far as uh, genetic memory, right? You know what I'm saying? So we still have that connection as far as genetic memory. Um, but it's not something that we can recall. We have no elders in the last probably 300 years, at least two. At least two, at least two, two to three hundred years that a black American could go to to get a, a, a insight into what our lives were in Africa. But I what we can do, like me spending my time all my summers in Mississippi, what I can recall is my grandma going to pick these herbs and putting them on my leg if I have a, a cut on my leg and it automatically healed. Or I can talk to my mother who gave me stories of my ancestors who would go and they were root doctors and they would go pick up roots and they would put something on the stomach and it was whatever stomach ache you had was gone. They would go get bark from a tree and makes a cross on your belly and the stomach ache was gone. We have those ancestral stories. We have the connection to that red soil. Mm. We migrated to Chicago and Detroit and New York and all these places, but we have a connection to that red soil in Mississippi and Arkansas and Alabama and Georgia. Mm. So, see, so right, so so when so like you know you hear uh, you hear Italian people talk about the old country, right? They talk about they even go to the old country or this is how things were in the old country and all that, and they talking about Italy, right? You know these Italian Americans they talking about Italy. Well, you know, they still got family in the old country and all this stuff, right? Black Americans, when we talk about the old country, we talking about the South. Yeah. That's what we talking about. We talking about the South. We talking about the Carolinas, Virginia, Georgia, Texas, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, New Orleans, also Louisiana, right? Louisiana, Florida. That's what we talking about. We talking about the South when we talk about the old country. Because that's what we can relate to. That's what we can reach to. That's what we can ask elders about. Is what it was like then. We, we, we can't talk about Africa. But Africa is still a part of our legacy though. Still a part of our legacy. Get into that where you were talking about how we assimilation. Um, or no appropriation. How oh, yeah, or how yeah, Africans yeah. try to say that we appropriate some of their culture, yeah. but that's impossible. Yeah, right. So yeah, we had this conversation yesterday. So I hear some Africans out there, you know, try to say that we as Black Americans appropriate African culture. That's bullshit, and that's impossible. And it's not. 
It's incorrect. I'm going to tell you why. Because the example you gave yesterday was the brother from Chicago who got who who took this African last name mm-hmm. name right yeah. and somebody came at him talking about that name is passed down through bloodline so you right. can't claim that through African bloodline right right so you can't claim that because he a black American right mm-hmm. and he had a um a, a name from Kenya I believe yeah okay see so Africans. You can't say that to us. And I'm going to tell you why. Because. That's our culture. That we come from. That we lost. Because of your bullshit. In the transatlantic slave trade. See. So. Whoever that whoever that was that was coming at this brother about him taking on this last name that is a African bloodline name and he can't claim that. She don't know that. And he don't know that. You can't say that that brother does not have an ancestor that could be in that bloodline. And maybe could claim that name. But we don't know that. Why? Because we were sold. And that culture was gone. And it's untold numbers of us that died just on the transition coming here. They say million, a million people. Just on the just on the voyage coming over here to these shores. Millions of us died. So You can't tell us what African culture is or isn't ours. We know that we have some. But it's because of y'all bullshit Africans that sold us into slavery here that we don't know. See? So just just like how my earth was just building on how you know, these uh, things that we do here is from a ancestral recall, <laughs> right? Shout out to um, uh, this jazz artist that I love. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't like the term jazz. He calls it stretch music. Christian Atunde, right? Christian Atunde Scott, right? So he, he got an album called Ancestral Recall with Saul Williams. It's dope. Check it out. Ooh, Saul Williams. I yeah. got to check that. I ain't heard Saul in years. I played it. Really? Yeah, I played okay, it. Well, I, gotta I, go played it. I played it. I played it. Saul Williams is on like three, four, five tracks. He does this spoken word piece what? and the brothers back there. Yeah. So anyway, so ancestral recall, right? So the ancestral recall. So these African elements that black Americans have kept alive. Oh, okay. I gotta talk on the clock and That has that has oh, kept oh, alive is based on ancestral recall. That we remember ancestrally in our DNA and our genetic code that we still carry. Okay? So for an African to sit here and say, oh, you appropriate African culture. No, no, no. That's our culture. Now, you want to start talking about, oh, well, that's representative to this tribe or that tribe or this bloodline or that bloodline. It's your fault we don't know. 
It's your fault we don't know which one is which. That we can't identify with with so-and-so tribe or this tribe from this part of uh, of the land or or whether we from Central or West Africa and all this shit. That's y'all fault. But build on that because they're going to come at you, the Pan-African is going to come up. Because you, you dropped a magnificent jewel yesterday when we were talking about um, how Africans, what role they played in selling black folks here, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the Americas. Because we all like to say, we like to say, no, we were kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Or um, that's not true. Even Fela talking about that's not true. Y'all, you know, y'all were kidnapped. They came in here right. with guns right, and they kidnapped right, y'all. Right, 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 right. So there's that idea out there, right? Or I mean, uh, some fantastical idea that we want to we want to hold on to because we don't want to accept yeah, we don't want to accept that our mama is a crackhead. Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't want to accept that we were sold by our people in Africa. We, we don't want to accept it. We don't want to accept it. I went through the same phase. Matter of fact, I got a book up here that I bought <laughs> because I didn't want to accept the idea. You know what I'm saying? I, I I can't recall the name of the book now, but it's something about the African Holocaust in Columbus. I'm sure many of y'all conscious black folks out there know the book I'm talking about. So, um, I haven't read the book in in a very long time at this point, so I, I, I'm not going to be able to recall it exactly. But um, in there, there's, there's some ideas about that we were forcefully taken. Um, that we were forcefully taken from Africa um, or... Our people was tricked or but but the most common one that I've heard is that is that, yes, uh, there was slavery in Africa and yes, we were traded or sold into slavery in the Americas, but our people in Africa didn't know the Whore. They didn't know that the Europeans' concept of enslavement was different from the African concept. That's the most common cop-out that I hear regarding this subject. I mean, first off, are we going to sit here and act like enslavement in any form is okay? Like, let's, you know what I mean? Like, like let's, let's deal with that idea first, Right? So are we gonna sit and act like enslavement in any form is okay? So that's that's one. Now that gets to more of a world issue. But now, so now let's talk about the different um, uh, factors that went into that enslavement. Tribal wars. So Africa was having different tribal wars, right? They was having different tribal wars, and those of us who were sold into slavery were POWs, prisoners of war. Right. Prisoners of tribal war. So that even gets gets it even deeper. And we talked about this yesterday. That makes it even deeper that for black Americans, we can't even really say that our people sold us into slavery. Because if we were prisoners of tribal war at the time that these Europeans came to African shores to engage in trade then the people that sold our ancestors into enslavement weren't actually our people, but were our tribe's enemy. 
at the time in Africa. But again, because of that bullshit, we don't know. Okay. But what we do know is when we got on them ships, we became anew. Now that's another thing. So then, once that happened, we we once we made that uh, voyage, those of us that were on those ships that end up here, we became a new people now. That that whole thing is old. So you had a whole bunch of us from different places, different tribes, West Africa, Central Africa, different languages, different belief systems, different you know warrior practices, strategy, all these different things, and all of that. Combined with all the trauma and pain and 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 freedom fighting and and insurrections and poisonings on the land and and rape and the separation and all of that shit made a new branch of black people in these United States called the Black American in the United States of America. And we are not to be fucked with because of all of that <laughs> shit. Do not run up on us. You're going to catch these motherfucking hands. So um so yeah, so 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 that's the, so that's the thing. So yeah, so we can't appropriate African culture cuz it's our culture that we recall ancestrally in our DNA where it's from, who it's from, and all that, we can't recall anymore because of that bullshit of the transatlantic slave trade that you Africans that are saying we're appropriating were a part of. So you can't blame us. But y'all can appropriate our culture, though. See? So now that's something that you might not like. But yeah, you can appropriate our culture. Why? Because as we just talked about, through all that bullshit, we became a new people here. So hip-hop, jazz music, blues music, um, the way we talk, the way we walk, the all these different, all the different fucking, um, well, I guess is the word colloquialisms? Yeah. Okay, so all the different colloquialisms that black American women yes. bring to the table... They influence everybody from African women to homosexuals of all different groups that come from black American women. That's our shit from our experiences and the pain and the, and the, and the resilience that we had being here. So Africans, all these other people, y'all can appropriate that stuff if you're not giving credit to the originators. If you're not giving credit to the originators and you're trying to take in and you're trying to da da da, for example, if you want to talk, if you if you if you are African MC, if you are African rapper, but then in the same in the same uh, uh, breath want to say that we appropriate African culture, you completely out of pocket. You're completely out of pocket. I want to talk about because you you dropped some stuff about how we kept. African culture alive mm -hmm. and it goes to what I was saying earlier about how we were taken from Africa during a certain period of time that does not exist anymore but because we were taken at a certain period of time we carry those memories as if our DNA is stuck in that time and that's stuck in a negative way 
not stuck in a negative way. And I want to say this. I used to live in Venezuela, right? And so Venezuela has this, um, they have African traditional religion. It's not Santeria because I know that's what it's called in, in Cuba. If you are from Venezuela, please forgive me. Um, get at my husband and he'll, and give him the right name of it. But they have uh, African traditional religion that they still give honor to um, Yoruba gods, um, Yoruba um, Luau. I don't want to, it's not gods. I'm sorry again for using the wrong terms. But they give um, respect to Oshun and Olegba and Igun and all of this, right? And so I was in, in Venezuela one one day. Well, I was living in Venezuela. And I was in this um, area where there were Africans, Nigerians there. And so I made friends with some Nigerians there. And so this sister, Nigerian sister, we went to her house. She, she had a roommate who was from Venezuela. And so the roommate was a more light complexion person, um, but they were Venezuelan. And the Nigerian was afraid of the altar that the Venezuelan had put in the house. Absolutely afraid of this altar that had African gods African Lua, I, again, they're, they're not called God, so I, I apologize. Orishas, that's what I meant to say. It's Orishas, not deities, not, not deities. So they had a whole altar set up with African Orishas. They had the candles going. They had the herbs going. They had incense. So they were given honor. Let me tell you, the Nigerian was scared as hell. Mm. Ooh, I don't like that. You big dumb. Dumb, and this this show is called Kill Religion. So I'm gonna say what the hell I wanna say. You big dumb ass Christian. You gonna sit up here and be afraid of your culture that these Venezuelan people kept alive. And let me tell you, I do not think so many aspects of African traditional religion would have been kept alive had it not been for the Atlantic slave. <laughs> Holocaust because we were stopped in a time and space mm. it was a time and space where that was held sacred mm. and because we were taken in that time we continue to hold those things sacred so now you'll find people in Brazil still practicing African traditional religion you'll find people in Cuba you'll find people in Venezuela you'll find people all throughout the Americas in Haiti in the United States all of us still practice it in some form or fashion. Mm. But I do not think it would have been practiced to this extent had it not been for us keeping it alive. And I, it also makes me think of this biography that I was reading that was about Fela. And Fela said himself, had it not been for black Americans in the 60s wearing dashikis and mm. wearing our natural hair, they would have never done that in Nigeria because he said we were ashamed in Nigeria to mm. do that until we saw black America do it. So 
when you open your mouth to disrespect us and call us what a kaba what what is a kata a kata or whatever disrespectful shit you want to open up your mouth you better respect your ancestors because that's who the hell we are and you will catch these hands and i'm fired up right now i'm making a lot of threats and best believe i will keep them <laughs> don't come across me <laughs> but we again we have given ghana 1.9 billion dollars these people 1.9 billion dollars because of this return scam return of our whatever it's called scam thing that we have bought into and the people who bought into it are these pan-africanists many of these pan-africanists who claim to be socialists how the hell are you gonna be a socialist and you in the united states of america first of all and how the hell are you gonna be socialist and you could just trick off 1.9 billion you ain't no damn socialist mm. you tricking off when you a fool tricking off 1.9 billion in the club mm damn pan-african is bs keeping us away from reclaiming land and there's another book on our shelf that and this book made me really 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 take another look at the pan-africanist movement because in this book it's talking about our black um civilizations that we built here in this country and it's not just talking about black wall street it's talking about various places that we built in this country and how the pan-africanist movement was set up to destroy us building here so mm. that really made me what look at that? i don't know it's a book about it might be the one about brooklyn illinois because mm. there's a there was a town in illinois called brooklyn illinois that was set up as a um, free town, free black town. And I, I, it might be that book, but it might be another book on the shelf. But this book is talking about how the Pan-Africanist movement was set up to stop that. Because we were gaining too much leverage. We were buying land. We were cultivating land. We were building our cities. We were teaching ourselves. We had our own banks. We were doing all this stuff. But here comes this black, this, this Pan-Africanist movement that's been to destroy this. That's been to send our money over here on the continent, so we won't gain leverage here in this country. Mm, that is heavy. That's heavy. Um, I, I quickly wanna wanna put this in here uh, because this is very. I think this is very important, and it goes right to what we were just talking about. In the year of the return, the setup for Ghana, Black Americans spent one point nine billion in twenty nineteen. Right. Yes. Right. So <laughs> there's a movement in black America right now that is called the Black Achievement Fund that uh, we are we are new participants of um, here in this household where the ask is very simple. Ten million black people contribute a paltry $9 a month will yield $1 billion a year to put towards black American owned and operated infrastructure here in the United States. 
Now, in the website, www.baf.solutions. Now, you know just as well as I do that this is going to be a tall order for this organization to get 10 million black people to put in $9 a month to do something for ourselves. Mm. This is something that's been tried over and over again, different groups and all these different things. But tell me why it's a tall order when it wasn't a tall order for Ghana to ask us for one point nine billion. That's a great. That's a great question, and that's that's that is the question actually. That is the question. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> hmm. So it shouldn't be a tall order. It shouldn't be a tall order. Or maybe, or maybe it is because the whole guy, it's a shiny new thing. It's a shiny new thing. That's it. It's the shiny new thing. We don't want, we don't want to face thing. our pain of Georgia. We and don't want to face don't our wanna, pain of the yeah, South. Yeah, it's the shiny new yeah. thing. Let's run and do this over here. But see, I got a problem with that too. Because again, um, I, like I said, in my latter years, I've become a, a staunch black American supporter. Right? Um, we spoke on this too. Those who are familiar with, you know, the five percenters. Um, well, if you're familiar, you might not know this. So people who know, people who know the history of the five percenters, you know that Allah was a patriot, right? When I'm speaking on Allah, I'm talking about the father, the father of the five percent nation in the United States of America, <laughs> nation of God's nerves, right? So he was a patriot. He was a Korean War vet. And he believed in the United States, believed in the United States military and all that. And because of that, he got flack from the other black American movements of the 60s, right? Because a lot of that was um, anti-America, anti-imperialism, American imperialism and so forth, which I agree with that. Um, as far as the United States military, that's, you know, I mean, hey, you know what I mean? That's, 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 that's something else. You get into a little bit of a different conversation. But the part that I want to focus on was... The idea of black people embracing our country and our citizenship in the United States of America. We, we, um, you've heard the dual consciousness thing, W.E.B. Du Bois, you know, built on, um, where, you know, that's true. You know what I mean? We have this dual consciousness in this country because of what we go through. But it's my understanding now that we need to embrace America and build here. This is why I'm a supporter of this Black Achievement Fund. This is why I'm a supporter of that Freedom Georgia initiative where those black families bought that, brought that land in unincorporated uh, Georgia to build there for ourselves because the reason that black Americans were able to go to Ghana and spend $1.9 billion is because we have the most access to capital out of any group of black people in the world. And we have that access to capital because of the sacrifices. Because of what? How did it get? How did America get like this? How did America become the bully of the world? How did America become 
so financially wealthy? How did America's military become as strong as it is? Now, I know that things are shaky now, okay, with what's going to happen with America and so forth. But what I'm saying is that America became what it is because of us. That's right. Because of us. We are more American than any of these MAGA people flying around. Because of our literal blood, sweat, and tears in this country. Literal. Literal. Blood, sweat, and tears in this country. America is what it is because of us. More than anybody. More than anybody. Everybody across the world. All these immigrants get to come and enjoy the fruits of America and the opportunities of America because of us. And that is even blatant in the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965. While our people were fighting for so-called civil rights, they slipped this under the door. Hey, in order to have these civil rights, you got to um, include everybody else. Nationality Act of 1965. So now we get a bunch of people who are immigrants get to come into this country because of us, because they let the dogs out on us, because they locked us in jail, because they killed us. This is the reason why the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965 is even here because mm. of us. See, so, um, so we 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 need to we need to embrace that. We we need to embrace our citizenship here, and this is this is home for better or for worse, right? I mean, for all the bullshit, we don't know of any other home but here. We don't know of any other home but here. And we have the means to do for ourselves and build us. We have the means to carve out a space for ourselves here. We don't have to go no place else. Hmm. We don't have to go no place else. Man, you know what? Yes, it just has me thinking of my father who now they were in Mississippi, in Greenwood, Mississippi. They they escaped in the middle of the night because my uncle was going to be lynched. And my father was in SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. He later became a worker in the Black Panther Party. And when I started wanting to travel, he was like, "Why everything you need is right here in the United States. Mm. <laughs> and I understand that. I mean, I understood... I understood it to an extent, but I really, really, really understand it now. And he wasn't saying don't travel, but he was saying respect and honor what we did here. And it wasn't until I lived overseas that I really was like, okay, black America is is like light years beyond many of um, the places that our other brothers and sisters are in the world. So that really, really made me respect that. And it, that's all I really have to say about that. And, um, and I, I, I missed, I missed an important point earlier when we were speaking on the, um, on, uh, on, 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 on how we don't want to accept the ideas of Africans selling us into slavery. 
if someone has this information, I would love to see it. But of course, you know, you're going to have to have more than one, one or two sources. I haven't seen any. Um, if we were forcefully taken out of Africa, how come there's not volumes of work of full-scale wars happening on the shores of Africa with the Africans fighting against the Europeans as they're trying to forcefully take us away. And we're not talking about the Nzinga. And not, no, we're talking about wars that were trying to prevent enslavement. From yeah, happening. that's what I'm talking about. Wars that was trying to prevent enslavement. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know of any. Have you seen any of this? I don't have know. Have you heard I, of any I documentation read of this? Anything. I have never seen any of this. Well, I've never seen any of this. We've read a lot of books. And we've read a lot of books and we and we've been around people that have read a lot of books. Mm -hmm. I've never heard this idea even being expounded on. So if anybody out there has this information, I would love to see it. But that right there should tell you if you coming over here, we don't know you. You white, you pale skinned, you don't look like nobody in this country. You coming over here on these boats. You got these funny ass looking clothes. You got firearms, a bunch of weaponry and shit that we don't understand. And you coming over here trying to take our people forcefully. It would seem to me that there would be volumes of work that would be that would show. Battles happening on these shores of Africans fighting off the enslaver. And if you contact him with some information, I don't want to hear shit about the Ashanti. I don't want to hear shit about any of that because the Ashanti gained a lot of wealth from pushing us over them shores into the Atlantic. And what do they have to show for it today? And if... These countries want to do a, a day of the return. Let me tell you something. If they want to bring us back to the, to the shores of West Africa or Central Africa, let me tell you what they need to do. They need to pay us reparations. Just like we're looking for reparations from this country, we need reparations from each and every one of these West Africans and Central African countries. And even the Eastern East Africans, we don't want to talk about that too often because a lot of people just trace our lineage to Central and West Africa. We need reparations. We need land. That's the only way you're going to get me to come up there. I'll travel. But I'm not getting ready to talk about some I'm returning to the land of the, the motherland and I have no connection to the United no. States and I'm I'm giving up everything to return. No, give me some land. There is no, I have no connection to any of these places unless there is some land involved. Now, um, we, we, we're coming up on, on time here. We're 54 minutes in. Um, it's going to cut out at, at an hour. Uh, but I really want you to speak on that last point because there's people out here that are commenting on that video you was watching where they're talking about how you know you're shitting on Ghana and you're showing all the bad parts. And it probably sounds like we're shitting on Africans on here and the country and all this other stuff. But you spoke on something very powerful when we was in that hallway yeah. talking about talking about why t t talking about why why we 
why, why, why we feel like, yo, why does Africa look like this after? Okay, so we were looking at this video that K&K Squad posted on YouTube. And they had taken this video of Accra, then Jamestown Accra. And if you can do your own research on Jamestown Accra, of course, the name is Jamestown. So you could kind of get a, a kind of load of what they were doing in Jamestown. So they're going through it and it's garbage everywhere. Like garb, the, the ocean is dirty. They're going through it. It's goats and chickens everywhere. People just living in squalor. And somebody posted underneath, they were like, well, I can relate to this because this is Jamaica. I mean, this is just like how it is here in Jamaica. But let me tell you something. I've traveled to Jamaica. My husband has traveled to the Caribbean islands as well. And there's an acceptance, an acceptance that we have when we look at places like Jamaica or places like, I don't know, places that are have the similar enslavement history as Jamaica does. And we can go and be like, okay, I understand what happened here. <coughs> Our people worked these lands. Enslavement was over. Europeans left. They had already decimated the people, the land, the culture. And this is how it was left. But when you take film of Ghana, Accra, and you look at what, and it's still listed as a third world country. And you look at history and see that these people sold us. What the hell did you sell us for some damn shekels? Mm. Was our life just worth some shekels? Because at this point, you don't have shit. And you begging us like a crackhead mama who sold her damn child to a goddamn pimp. You asking us to pay your way. Hey, get me out of this squalor. Fuck you. God damn it, fuck you, crackhead mama, because you sold us, and look what you have right now, you living in squalor, and it is a damn shame that you living in squalor like this, and we understand Jamaica, We are, those are our cousins, we understand Haiti, Haiti fought like hell for us, and you just started talking about how we need to see some history of where you fought for us. Haiti mm. fought like, Haiti still fighting for us and still getting kicked in the ass because they fought for us. Cuba fought for us. In the 60s, our people found refuge in Cuba. Jamaica fought for us with Nanny. They fought Marcus Garvey. These people fought for us. We understand the conditions of Jamaica, Cuba, Haiti, all of these places. What we do not understand, what we will not accept, is the fact that you sold us and you got shekels. What did you think of us? Mm. Did you think that much of us? That you, in return for giving up gold and people and wealth and more and more and more people, millions of people that are under the Atlantic Ocean, in return for squalor, mm. and you begging us to save you. Damn. Fuck that. I'm saving Mississippi, Georgia, Gary, Indiana. Fuck that shit. Mm. That's all I got to say. That's, that's heavy. That's heavy. Mm. Of course they're going to come at me. I don't care. Come at me. Bring your goddamn spears. God damn it. I got a goddamn machete for your ass. Bring it. Bring it. Wow. I, I love you though, Africans. I sure do. 
And I'm only coming at you because I love you. Mm. I don't think there's nothing else to say. Um, we got to do better as a collective across the world. Um, but yeah, you know, we're not going to... Black Americans, we're not going to let, you know, Africans make us feel less than. Um, but we love you and we all family. We're going to do better. Peace.